Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Links and Locks Podcast. Podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. Hello, you beautiful degenerates, and welcome to Links and Locks, the Action Network's golf betting podcast presented by Bet365. I'm your host, Roberto Arguello, and I'm excited to get into this week's Cognizant Classic in the Palm Beaches betting preview, along with Spencer Aguiar and Nick Bretwish. Gentlemen, this is the first tournament of the Florida Swing as we move from the West Coast to the East Coast, so a bit of a different ballpark this week at PGA Nationals, the champion course. Spencer, I'll let you have the tee box first. What is your best bet for the Cognizant Classic in the Palm Beaches? I think Nick and I have a different opinion on this tournament. Like for me, what classifies as a best bet this tournament is probably lower on the advantage scale than most tournaments. Uh, with all that being said, I am going to lay a little bit more juice than I normally would on a head-to-head bet. I'm going to take Chesson Hadley minus 125 over Matt Kuchar. All right, Chesson Hadley minus 125 over Matt Kuchar is Spencer's best bet. I will not have best bets this week because I'm a part of the PGA Tour Live coverage on featured holes. Very excited to work with Christina Kim for the first time this week. So no bets for me. But Nick, I know you've got a full card this week. What's your best bet? Hammer Kid's coming back. Uh, it's been a long, it's been a long time. I believe he is one for two this year. So you hate to see him even lose one. But I'm going with the recent form. Of the ball striker himself, if you want to call it that. But according to my numbers, looks good. I guess I'm giving you my reason and the pick at the same time, which is against the rules on the show. So I will go with Carson Young, top 40 plus 150. All right. Carson Young, top 40 plus 150. So plus money on the Hammer Kid this week. Spencer, before we get into the Hammer Kid play, tell us why you have identified this matchup bet on Chesson Hadley. There's and we'll get into this a little bit more when we talk about the tournament. This is a highly volatile event because of all the water. And and I think when books saw this, at least in my opinion, with the way I ran my numbers, uh, numbers were either skewed in a certain direction in the outright market, or when you look at these matchups, I thought the matchups you had very few options available. So there were like three or four guys that I wanted to try to find a matchup against when I was originally looking. Cameron Champ would have been the number one option. I thought this was a really nice fade spot after what he did last week. Uh, Don't even see a matchup in the market against him. So couldn't go that route. Tried to take on Alexander Bjork. Didn't really see much there either. Kuchar was the one name where I could at least find a matchup against. 
ranked 118th in my model out of 144 players in this field for weighted proximity when I ran the data for PGA National. He also generated a 113th place projected grade for ball striking when I added in his driving totals to the mix. I think the recent production that you look at, whether that's at hard to score venues or, or even any of the outputs that I ran for weighted strokes gain total, both of those barely cracked the top 100 for me. Like I would be naive if I didn't say that this had miscut versus miscut potential. I don't think Hadley necessarily has a perfect profile himself, but when I'm looking at Kucher and I'm trying to take on a golfer, like, yes, you have the high end upside of the short game that Kucher brings, but the critical ball striking returns really took a dip for me. Hadley had a lot of those same short game returns. He had better upside numbers in the ball striking areas. And I, I also think when we're looking at a matchup here, like we don't need the highest end of a result from Hadley, in my opinion, to get this bet across the finish line. We've seen him make the cut in 11 of his last 12 starts. I don't know if this is necessarily the best course fit for him to continue that run, but as I said, we don't need that ceiling performance to get past what I deem to be a struggling Matt Kuchar this week. A little bit more juice than I would love would have liked to have paid in this spot. Um, I think there's a reason, though, why this number has been drifting up and is now more in the minus 125 range. So I'm going to take that as my best bet, but I mean, it's a very limited card, Roberto. There's uh, two outrights and this matchup to choose from, and that's that's the entirety of my card. Spencer, last week, you were all over fading Mackenzie Hughes, and he shot eight over par through two rounds, not even close to making the cut. So anybody who tailed you on those fade and on that fade of Mackenzie Hughes made some more money last week. Hopefully, the same happens this week with Matt Kuchar. And Kuchar, as we know, veteran on the PGA Tour, been around for forever. He played in this event every year between 2004 and 2009. Played again in 2011, and didn't play what was then the Honda Classic until. 2023 last year, which shows that he doesn't like this course for whatever reason, or doesn't like the spot on the calendar last year, he missed the cut here. So clearly this is not his favorite course. So I think that's a really strong play of fading Matt Kuchar. So be sure to shop around and see where you can find somewhere to fade him. Nick, let's get into the hammer kid play of the week. Carson young top 40 plus plus one fifty. Yeah. So overall, just a price grab for me. I had this price at plus plus one ten. I think Carson young is surprisingly one of the better ball strikers in the field overall especially with the mid-iron play that my model seemed to weight very heavily for this track in addition to accuracy and somewhat distance off the tee but in the weighted total driving that i try to mock off of spencer's model i've never been close to doing what he does in terms of modeling so that is your guy we'll give a shout out real quick to ben silverman i mean just mm. there's no way any other show in the world and i'm not even patting myself on the back this is all going to my podcast partner spencer but i had so many friends that just listened to the show last week and they're like who the hell is ben silverman they looked at it, it's like he's not young like there's nothing about him they looked at some of the data that you could find out there for free i don't think they subscribed to anything they're like i don't know how the hell spencer found this guy and there he is like on the final two tee times on sunday a guy that we never heard of and and spencer i guess if we want to you know, shit on him a little bit. He was very conservative with only betting just to make the yeah. cut when the guy, you know, could have, you could have placement laddered him. But um, Carson Young, though, for me, just grade so safe. And I was very, very surprised to see a plus 150 number in the top 40. I know that's still not a super advantageous bet for, but for me to get 40 points of value on Carson Young, I'll take that all day. He has gained strokes ball striking in six of his last six events. Like I said earlier, the mid iron play is fantastic. They're Bermuda putting is the best surface for him in terms of the data that I could pull. So overall, I, I 
I think it's a perfect spot for him. I think it's a watered down field to what we've somewhat seen in years past. And uh, overall, like when I've looked at these type of bets in the past, this has actually been a profitable event for me the last two years. In 2022, I had the placement ladder on Chris Kirk when he started to really come into form. I think he was actually in contention to win the event and absolutely crapped the bed on Sunday. I think he shot three or four over, if I remember correctly. Um, that one still sings. But last year on this show, I believe we uh, talked about Kevin Roy, top 40. So I wish I can get like the three and a half to four to one placement market here. But the best value I found was on Carson Young. Also had a T29 here last year when his game was not nearly in the form it is right now. So checks really every single box for me. But like Spencer said, it is a very volatile event. Um one or two water balls away from missing the cut. So I will always kind of tread lightly there, but this is the most amount of exposure I've had in the outright market in some time. So I think I'm, I'm more excited to talk about that, but I would like to hear you guys thoughts on Carson Young at plus plus one fifty. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll just give a very quick answer. Cause I think you talked about it, Nick. It, it's a really good number grab situation for Carson Young. He's in, inside of the top 40 of my model and all iterations of how I ran it. The ball striking is very similar in my build as in yours. I mean, this is a golfer that's trending in the right direction. And even if we look last year at him, this was a name that there were portions of that season where like legitimate upside was being delivered from him and, and legitimate yep. safety. Also, we got away with that at or away from that at a certain point. But I, I think all of a sudden we're starting to see some of this trajectory come back into play for young and, if markets are a little bit slow to move here and, and you can get him at plus 150 for a top 40, I certainly think there's value to punch a ticket there. I think he's a really interesting golfer. You mentioned last year how he was really struggling coming into this event. Before this event, he had 11 starts. Nine of them were missed cuts, and the other two were a tie for 53 and 53rd and a 77th. So not a lot of form coming in. His two best results last year on tour were a tie for third at the Puerto Rico Open and a ninth at the Worldwide Technology Championship no data available at any of those courses at either of those two courses. So a little frustrating not to see what the formula for him is when he's played well, but last week coming off of his best result on the PGA tour tie for eighth and has not lost strokes on approach so far this season. So he's becoming a lot more consistent playing way better than he did last year at this time. And he goes into a course that should fit his eye with strong approach play and also extreme driving accuracy. So I like the fit. For Carson Young, he's somebody whose putter looks like it can get hot and he can score in some of these lower scoring tournaments, uh, although this is one of the tougher tournaments on the PGA Tour. I think it should be a good fit this week, so I'm excited to see how Carson Young does. And, of course, tune into how he does on the par threes. We'll be all over that all week long on <laughs> PGA Tour Live. Uh, some tougher par threes this week, including two of the three on the Bear Trap. But as we mentioned the Bear Trap here at PGA National, the champion, let's get into our, our course preview course after our course preview we'll get into best bet or we'll get into outright bets that you guys have and then placement picks we'll talk about one and done and then any other uh lingering questions we have before we get into rapid fire where we break down everybody at 50 to 1 or shorter this week but first the course preview for pga national spencer i'll let you break it down first yeah i mean i think it's important to note before we even get into the discussion here that when you look at past versions of this tournament uh, the one noticeable change this week is that the challenging 508-yard par 4 10th has now been converted into an additional par 5. That doesn't mean the difficulty isn't still going to be there since 15 holes present legitimate water hazards that can come into play. 
which is one of the reasons that this tournament has ranked as a top 10 track in terms of difficulty in 14 of the past 17 seasons. With all that being said, though, I, I do think it had, adding a handful of extra par five attempts over the course of four days does add a little bit of extra ease to the course. I will say that you aren't going to get that forgiveness during the bear trap holes that you talked about, Roberto, at 15, 16, and 17. Those are three setups that create havoc, especially on Sunday when you're trying to close out the event. You also get an equally tough three-hole run between five, six, and seven. Those are a little bit of a run in, in a duration there where you can quickly balloon your score if you find your game going in the wrong direction. I think when you look at this tournament, and this is one of the things I was even noting when just talking about my best bet, like Florida tournaments are hard to handicap. Um, I think water is the obvious answer there for the undoing for many golfers in the field. A factor like that is exceptionally noticeable when comparing courses. Like, for an example, let's take the Genesis Invitational. You could go wayward off the tee, but still have the ability to scramble out of the rough to salvage your score. All of that goes out the window when you get a Florida course, specifically at the Cognizant Classic. Like, a wandering driver and approach shot ends up with that dreaded waterbound answer. And I mean, that's the worst thing you can find when you open the PGA Tour app and we can, we can say whatever we want about that, but I mean, there's nothing worse than opening the app and seeing somebody in the water there and hoping that there's a mistake above anything else. So I, I essentially built a model that looked into this encapsulated version of strokes gained uh, that I tried to run the fit PGA national that included golfers who would avoid water off the tee at a challenging driving course, how someone would see their proximity increase when I did add an extra weight from hundred to 200 yards. That was a range that experienced over a 10% increase in importance. I think at the end of the day, playing bogey avoidance golf is still going to be a heavy factor in finding success at this tough setup, but it's very different type of strategy. Just like I talked about, you can't scramble from the bottom of the lake. So I wanted savvy shot makers who could think through strategy on the course. I wanted to find golfers that could generate that blueprint throughout the bag. I do think you need to have a complete game to find success here. It doesn't mean there isn't volatility that enters the mix for any of those returns because of that waterbound penalty uh, being so severe. But um, it's one of the reasons why my card is a little bit less involved and invested. I think it's a it's a bit of a crapshoot tournament. Um, there are corollary trends that we can look at from past iterations to get a better idea of who's going to play well here. But uh, it's a very challenging course, Roberto. Like that's a, that's a long answer to say. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I have a condensed version of a card. I think the secondary answer will come into play when we talk about outrights and stuff, where if sports books couldn't come up with an answer, I thought that they skewed some of the pricing away from exposure themselves. And uh, when you get that combination of my model, not necessarily finding an advantage and sports books being very cautious in their approach with the matchups and some of the placements that they put out there, and when you look at the outright market in particular, I mean, you have 18 players between 22 to 50 to one on the board. You have Rory McIlroy at eight to one. You kind of have this thrown together version where every single person is landing in the same spot. And I don't think, and you and I talked about this, Roberto, before the show even started, there's a lot of great players in that range. And I do tend to think that one of those names ends up winning this golf tournament. I just worry that you know, it's when you have to pay 22 to one or 25 to one for Cameron Young, that's not the price I want to be going down. So um, I'm going to take a couple shots when we get to the outright market, but very little exposure. I think that makes a ton of sense. And that's a, a great way to approach it. And of course, Spencer, you cover internet bets here at Action Network. So with there being so much volatility on this course, perhaps that 
opens up some opportunities for some more in-tournament betting, especially from an outright perspective this week. Uh, Nick, anything you'd like to add on the course preview? Nailed it. I love that. I think one one thing which I might have missed, Spencer, 125 to 200 yards, over 60% of approach shots coming from that range. Of course, this is a Bermuda grass course being in Florida, so big shift from POA. So guys who are more comfortable on those surfaces uh, will be successful here most likely. Also, there's ryegrass overseed in the rough, so not quite pure Bermuda rough everywhere, uh, but some of those fairway lies around the greens could be tough if you're going into the grain. With that being said, Spencer, who are you betting outright to win the Cognizant Classic this week? Started with Steven Yeager at 40 to 1. I'm back on the Yeager train again. I, I exited for a couple weeks. I feel like this is a really nice spot for him. Like when you look at this board, take a guy like Ben on, for example. He opens at 45 to 1 and he moves down into, let's just say, 28 to 1 to call it a safe number there. We talked about Cameron Young being in sub 30 to 1. There's an Eric Cole and a Russell Henley answer of two golfers that my model likes, but you get a spot here with Jaeger where he's 40 to one for me has a very similar profile as a lot of those guys, but gets this inflated price right now. And, and, and for me, I think it stems from this reason of this public perception that's taken place of him because of the lack of perceived win equity that he has. But, you know, it's important to note, and we've talked about this a million times on the show, and I've probably given this exact stat over 10 times at this point, but this is a golfer that on the Corn Ferry Tour between 2016 and 2021 won six times. I know some of the PGA's success has been limited until recently. I just thought it was extremely hard to find a golfer in this field who provided a better mixture of safety and upside. For this particular market, we're going to need the upside, but 22 consecutive made cuts. That blends really well with the two top three finishes over his last three starts. When you put all of those pieces together, my model seems to believe that this is a, a golfer that's trending in the direction to finally get across the finish line on the PGA Tour. And I think when you look at some of the trending stats, the one thing that was hurting him in a lot of these events that didn't provide the upside was that the putter was just bad every single week. It would be week after week where we lost strokes putting. And you're still going to get some of that. He's lost over three and a half strokes in three of his last 13 tournaments with the putter. I think the biggest difference that we've seen recently, though, is he's also gained a minimum of 2.8 shots with the putter four times during those 13 tournaments. That boomer bust nature plays exceptionally well when you put it on a ball striking course. Um, if the putter hits and you're finding greens in regulation and it's a difficult scoring course, Jaeger has the potential to work his way up this board. He's averaging 4.175 shots to the field during his last 12 starts T2 green. Uh, to me, this was the one golfer of any of those names that I talked about that actually got a fair or an inflated price from what they should have been. So I think Jaeger is very similar to any of those golfers at the top. You're just getting a better number there. And then I wrapped up my card with Christian Bezadenhout at 66 to 1. Uh, Jason Sobel was the one that got on that the best. He got him at 80 or 90 to 1. That's one of the reasons why you want to jump on numbers before they move. But I had 50 to 1 being the proper price for him. So I think even anywhere in the sixties here, you're still finding value. It's a very similar answer that I gave for Jaeger, where in general, according to the public, I would say there's this lack of upside that is seen from him. But I think what he has shown form wise in 2024 is very different from what we've seen in other years. So he's earned between 1.3 to 4.7 shots with his irons over his past four starts. That's a 3.22 3.22 strokes gained on average during that span. 
Um, his driver is certainly going to have to improve. He's dropped strokes to the field over his last eight tournaments. I just think that you throw him here on a shorter venue that's going to enhance some of the weight of proximity, enhance some of the Bermuda putting. It gives him a chance to really reach that high-end metric just because scoring is more difficult here. So like the way I viewed it and the way that my model ran it is if he could find fairways off the tee, limit some of the damage there, and then because he is such a great bogey avoidance player and he plays some of these difficult courses as well, if he can create then the upside with the approach play that we have seen as of late, that's something that he didn't have last year and make putts on Bermuda and find one of those hot putters. I think the upside is very high for him in this tournament. And uh, this is coming from somebody that never bets Bezaden out because I worry about the upside. So I thought it was a really intriguing price here, whether you want to call it, you know, the low ends of the 60s, or if you have a book that's slow to move here in like the 80s where Jason Sobel got it, I think any of those numbers have value. Yeah, great call by Jason. You guys both had him in our early outright article as well. So be sure to tune into those on Mondays here on Action Network. Nick, who do you have on your outright card this week? Christian Zadenhout as one. Right. So uh, I'm not I'm not going to echo any of the reasons why Spencer and uh, Sobla obviously talked about him earlier. So absolutely love that you guys are on that. I started with the top of the board. I, I was very close with Jaeger. I ended up choosing Sepp Straka in that middle upper range. Interested to hear your guys' thoughts on him. Um, a guy I don't usually back. Obviously has great course history here winning it. And then I think T5 in the last year or so. Very familiar. A guy that just doesn't miss fairways. The approach game, ball striking overall is in a great spot. Um, but at the very top of the board, I went with Tom Kim at 30-1, to 1, I think, you know, six months ago, this is a guy that's probably 18 to one in this field. So I always like to bet on that type of pedigree and that upside. I think it's a very good course fit. Sure. His form is not, you know, the Tom Kim we were seeing six to eight months ago, but it certainly, I, I think can come back in a hurt, uh, in a hurry. Also a little bit of time off traveling over to Florida. So I dig that. Um, a guy that really blew up my numbers in terms of like, I, I hate this ticket personally. I don't feel like I would ever bet this guy shorter than 75 to one, but here I am at 55 to one. This is more of like picking on the market. seems like most of the market went to the low forties, but Adam Savenson at 55 to one seems like the market just overall is incredibly sharp on him. I threw away money betting Luke list at 60 to one. And then obviously I had to go down to Chan Kim at 150 to one on our sponsor bet three, six, five. And then a guy that Spencer was very, very high on last week that, I wasn't necessarily vibing as much, but I think this is a really good course fit for him. And the upside certainly outweighs the uh, the long price of 100 to 1. I did take Rio Hitsatsune on this course. And then Gary Woodland, just a number grab at 135 to 1. So I have officially one full unit at risk in the outright market. But would love to get your thoughts real quick on my decision on Tom Kim. It was either him or my boy, Russell Henley. I chose Tom Kim. Um, Sepp Straka, I'm okay if you guys want to pass on Luke List. I don't think I need your your thoughts on there. But Adam Savenson just getting that short in the market was very interesting to me. And then Rio and Gary Woodland, would love your thoughts on those guys. I'll tell you this, Nick. I'm not going to have you have a ticket on Rio and I don't become invested on it. My model liked <laughs> him again this week. I got a little bit worried about what I saw. I, I do think 100 to 1 is a good price. So that will be my in-pod play that I I obviously have there a lot go. of room on my ticket. I'll add Rio uh, at 100 to 1. Um, a lot of the same weighted scoring numbers of Wyatt liked him last week is going to like him again here. I think Tom Kim is very interesting because it's a boomer bust profile that you get with him. But the upside is the intriguing part when we're looking in an outright market here. 
inside the top six of my model for weighted scoring. Um, if you look at some of the ball striking totals that he brings to the mix, he's third for me. There is a very high ceiling if he puts the pieces together. I guess the only concern I would have is how is he able to putt on Bermuda? Uh, he had a negative trajectory inside of my model for that, but I think we're nitpicking here on a profile where like, I agree. If you look at Tom Kim and you compare him to some of these other golfers and there are high end traits that you can find from a Cameron Young, I keep going to Cameron Young this week for some reason, but like Cameron Young's number one in my model in ball striking. But when you compare Cam Young to Tom Kim, you have a golfer who's won multiple times on tour at this price versus a guy in Cam Young that's, you know, 22, 25 to one with, I think all of us like Cam Young on most weeks and we talk about him a lot. There's been a lot of bets that we've placed on him, but until we see that form of upside from him that we haven't gotten to a certain point, I do think a number like this on Tom Kim is intriguing because you backtrack this to kind of to Nick's point, let's just say a year ago, Tom Kim is probably... I mean, I don't know, 14 to one in this field. And not that that's necessarily what the true fair price ended up being over the course of time. And I think we've gotten a better indication of what he is, but when he puts the pieces together, he can really hit it in a big way. And the the metrics here are forming in certain directions to where the ball striking looks great for PGA National. So I, I do think that there's a low floor on this play compared to some of the other plays, but it's like we always talk about in the outright market. You want to shoot for the ceiling as much as possible. I'm probably out just to answer Nick's question on Straka. Um, I'm never a Luke List guy myself, so uh, my <laughs> I, model... I didn't like that one. I did not like that one. Markets love him, though. I'll tell you that. Like he is sharp across the board at pretty much any matchup I've seen. I don't know. I don't know if that's more of a thing of like people wanting to fade Justin Rose in the current ball striking that he's put together. But almost any matchup I've seen from List at this point, there is sharp money that's coming in on him. I just can't get there personally, but I'm, I'm going to join you on Rio. And uh, I think that Tom Kim tickets, very intriguing. And I like the Spenson play. I want to throw that out. Spenson was a name that I was highly considering also. Yeah, it just feels gross to take him at 55 to one, but man, literally the whole market now is at 35 or 45 at the longest. There still is a 55 sitting out there. So if you're in the Adam Svensson, I mean, it is a great course. His ball striking is in great form. Bermuda putting, everything you want to see is is pretty much there for him. But I think there's a severe lack of upside in him as well. I like the Svensson play. He's consistently been striking his ball well, but hasn't putted well on the POA surfaces. So I think that switch to Bermuda could really do him uh, a, a lot of good for him. And I think that's why there's some sharp money coming on him. Uh, I also thought Chan Kim was a sneaky great play. He popped up last week, played really well. And last year on the Corn Ferry Tour, he was second overall on the points list. So really good player. He's a guy whom I'd like to target on tougher courses. And this certainly fits the build there. Yep. And it's a very different course from Vedanta. So I like that play as well. I also like the list play. Luke List, awesome ball striker. He learned how to putt somehow. So shout out Luke List. <laughs> That's true. Um, made that 40 he went to lab though, didn't he? He's got a lab putter. Shout out to our unofficial sponsor. Uh, or does I, cannot, he not? I, I know he has a center shafted putter. I'm not sure if it's lab though. Um, okay. So it might, might as well be Luke. If you're listening, buddy, get a lab. <laughs> so he can putt now and he absolutely stripes the ball. As long as he's in the fairway, I think he's got as great of a chance as just about anybody in ball striking this week. And Gary Woodland, a guy who I think hopefully figures it out sooner than later. I know that it's a matter of health for him. He's not a hundred percent. It sounds like, but 
maybe this shift over to Bermuda grass helps his putting a little bit. And we know that he can strike the ball. So for a pure upside, I like that play. I know that his floor is not super high, but I like it from an upside perspective as well. Also great course history. When we look at what Woodland's been able to put together at this tournament, it's like, if you can take that ball striking skill set and he can find some form here, I, 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 kind of agree with exactly what you said Roberto like the, the floor is extremely low but who really cares about the floor when you're trying to shoot for upside here I think yeah. he's a- back in Florida I think that he lives somewhere maybe down by like Fort Lauderdale or something I, I looked it up earlier but obviously not staying in his own bed I guess on the west side of PGA but back back closer to home I think should help him out too with the uh the health concerns I think he's a cheaper version of Luke List in theory yep exactly all right, moving on to placement market bets. But first, a reminder that the Links and Locks podcast is presented by Bet365. Bet365 doesn't do ordinary. That's why you get more boosts with them than with anyone else. They power up the they every day, they power up the odds on hundreds of bets to give you a chance to win more. Bet365 boosts specific markets, your winnings, and even parlays, and they don't stop there. Keep an eye out for the biggest and best odds with the incredible super boost. Check out the boost and see why it's never ordinary at Bet365. Must be 21 or older and present in Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, New Jersey, Ohio, Virginia, or 18 and older in Kentucky. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. All right, gentlemen, let's get into our placement market wager bets this week. Spencer, I'll let you have the first shot at it. I'm tapped out. This is this is right. a Nick show this week, so I will defer <laughs> the floor to Nick here. Okay. I'm also also tapped out. It was just Carson right. Young. I was looking at some others in the top 40. I guess I'll give you maybe a couple names that maybe we uh, meet in the middle and get an in-pod play, but I, I mean, Chan Kim, I just can't do shorter than like plus 250 just because I remember the past. Now it's like, all right, bookmakers understand that you know, better golf pod was onto something three or four years ago when we played them uh, top 40 at like eight to one at the was it the U.S. Open or the PGA when Phil won as a PGA, right? PGA. PGA. Yeah. Yeah. So that was fun. Uh, also on the East Coast. So, you know, if you want to back Chan Kim, you we uh, have a very small sample size of success on the East Coast. Um, there was one other guy I looked at. I mean, like Jacob Bridgman, I had value on, but I don't trust that data at all. So I'm going to pass on that. It's great to see the top 40 market back, but guys, I, it's it's pretty squeezed. Really the only true value on something that I had a good enough sample size on was Carson Young. Yeah, I mean, I think the Carson Young numbers is an exceptional value to pull there. Like I was hoping an option like Brandon Wu would be a little bit higher than he was. Like I have no interest at the plus one ten number. I think that's more yep. where the fair price actually is. But you I can do get like one fifty. Brandon, Brandon Wu was at one fifty on a couple books out there in the legal market. So I did look at him. Uh, it was between him or Carson Young, but technically, I guess I still have a little bit of room in the placement market. So Brandon Wu, Roberto, Impala, Impod play or Impod sign off because you cannot gamble this week. I, I like ben, Brandon Wu, migrated at Stanford. So uh, coming off a strong week last week, should bring some confidence in after rolling the rock well at Vedanta. And the course is going to be a little bit softer than it has played in years past. So I think that all sets up well for Brandon Wu, especially if you want to target him over the weekend. He's a really strong player. Spencer and I were talking about this before uh, we hopped on and started recording. He's a strong win player. He has a lower ball flight, and so he can take advantage of some of those uh tougher conditions so i think he could be a strong player if you want to wait for a matchup on the weekend and play a little bit more conservatively that could be a a great idea 
you know, it, when you look at Carson Young and Brandon Wu in my model, there's a four one hundredth of a percent difference where uh, my model does like Carson Young more, but it's a very similar profile between those two. So there's really not much of a difference there. So um, I'm kind of under the mentality, Nick, if you like Carson Young, you should probably like Brandon Wu at the same price. And um, I, I might have to tell you on Young and add a, a Brandon Wu ticket myself. We'll go in pod lean Brandon Wu plus 150 top 40. All right. First place in market in pod play. Uh, we've got Ryo Hisatsune at 100 to 1 as our other in pod play for Spencer. I'm just, I, I, I came here with no bets and I'm just full of in pod plays left and right right now. <laughs> so, one market that we're all going to be in is one and done this week. For the first time since week one, we have a new leader in our Action Network 15 man one and done pool. That is Nick. Nick. Picked Steven Yeager last week. He gained over 400 grand last week. I don't remember what the exact number was. You now have a $200,000 lead on me and about a $2 million lead on everybody else in our pool, including Spencer, who could not get somebody to roll the rock on the green once again with his uh, pick on Nikolai Hoygaard. I had I had all that great uh, CLV on Tony Finau that withered away on Thursday morning, just as predicted on this here podcast. Nick, you got the lead in one and done. Who are among the players you're considering this week? All right, let's go through this real quick. Let's see who I have. I mean, Keith Mitchell is probably my lean at the moment. I don't know if I actually have him available. I'm trying to pull that up live on air. I should have Keith. Let's I mean, if you've used Keith Mitchell at this point, we might need to like have a discussion. I do have Keith Mitchell. Mitchell we're all behind. We're, we're all in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think I'm gonna go with I mean, and I give you guys my play on the pod every time, so I can't like go off the rails here. I think I'm gonna go with Keith Mitchell. Um ball striking is absolutely elite right now. What he uh I was just talking to Sia before the show too. It, he was terrible the first round out, then probably gave Nap a run for his money with iron plays yeah. and has great history. Not gonna miss many fairways. I think that's something I value here a lot. I'm definitely not using Rory. Tom Kim, Cameron Young, too volatile. Substrack, and no thanks. Not buying into Matthew Pavan. Something about the French. If you're French listening to the show, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Russell Henley is always intriguing, but I like as good as his ball striking is currently, it's not up to par with Russell Henley, so I can't do that. And knowing water and Russell Henley, it's going to be heartbreak. Um, Corey Connors, I can't do the putter. Especially, I, when I think Connors is intriguing as, as a contrarian pick here, but I... I, I I've I think already... he's like my DFS guy. I think I'm going to go with Connors there. But yeah, um, I mean, Bezadenhout, I love that everybody's kind of riding that. I was very, I, I guess before the show, I was between Savenson and Keith Mitchell. Knowing that I have Keith Mitchell left, I think I will just go with Keith Mitchell. It's interesting to know. I mean, you are correct. You come on the show every single week and actually are like straightforward with us and give the pick. Maybe I could learn something from you. Uh, it's rather just than showing you my off. game plan. Try to beat it. You know, like I, I'm confident in where... The uh the one and done lack of model is at right now. It's just up in the head, and we're we're going with Keith Mitchell, guys. Try and beat it. I dare you. I mean, when you have a lead, it's a really easy strategy of just like here's where I'm at. Do the best you can to catch me, and it, it really deters certain strategies. Where I mean, I'm starting to get so far behind you, where there's there's weeks it's not going to be this week, but where like you kind of by telling me deviate my strategy ever so slightly because. 
I can't be taking the same selections as you when I'm trying to make up ground. Maybe I'm over like big break brain thinking this situation, but uh, I don't know. For me, I, I guess there were two plays that were the most intriguing. I think one's going to be extremely popular. I do think you can consider a, a Bezaden Halt. I think you can consider, you know, an Eric Cole potentially, but like the two for me that were the most enticing would be Jaeger. Um, at least I know with Jaeger, Nick can't take him. He had him last week. So it's a spot for me to get a little bit different there. And then um, Ben on, I, I do think the Ben on, this is a very nice spot to use him. It's a course that he loves. So uh, it'll probably be one of those two. I'm leaning towards Jaeger. I'm a little bit afraid that Roberto's going to take Jaeger. And then I'm going to have to once again, deviate from my strategy and it all crumbles beneath me. But I mean, it, it does feel, I will say this with all the lack of success that my putters or my golfers have had with putting, this does feel like one of those spots where I take Jaeger and he loses like nine strokes putting after leading the field ball striking. <laughs> I'm conflicted on Jaeger because like you, I know that Nick can't use him after Nick used him last week, but one of Jaeger's biggest strengths is his driving distance, uh, which has become a weapon because he's big time put on a bunch of distance uh, compared to previ previous years. I don't love that this course just has so much water and some forced layups so that he can't use it this much. So I might just be a little angry that I said last week, if I didn't use Finau, I would use Jaeger and it might be an overreaction to use him, but I might hold on to him for Ye for later. Uh, I had him as my pick and I pulled him out right now. I have Eric Cole who last year was below average in both driving distance and driving accuracy. He's jumped from 163rd in driving accuracy to 47th on tour net in driving accuracy this year because let me see here. I got this. I got um, exact numbers on this. Uh, last year, between the John Deere Classic and the Shriners Children's Open, he was above average in driving accuracy on those nine tournaments, zero times. Uh, zero. And in the nine tournaments since then, he's been above average field driving accuracy seven times. And the two times that he wasn't, he was 1% below. So literally missed one fairway uh, more than the the average. So he, while he still isn't very long, he's become a much more accurate driver of the golf ball. And the rest of his game is really strong in the top 55 in strokes game, putting around the green and approach play. So I think Eric Cole is somebody whom I'd like to target this week. And right now he is my pick. I do think that's pretty square, given that this is where he had his best result as a PGA Tour golfer so far. But as long as Nick doesn't pick him and Spencer doesn't pick him, I'm okay with everybody else picking him, just like Tony Fina last week. I, are you guys worried about, like, it seems like the market loves Ben on too. And like you said about Jaeger, I think, like, his driving distance, obviously his iron play around the green, making putts again is a lot. But I feel like that hurts him a little bit here. Or is it kind of like the Cam Davis cl uh, club down conspiracy that we invented, Spencer? He's like Jaeger's worse in my model in the projected total driving than I would have for him on some weeks. Like, I think when you look specifically in this field, he's 17th overall, which is a little bit lower than you would anticipate for a golfer uh, that I yeah. like so much. But I mean, there's positive numbers in my model for the weighted proximity. I, I do think this is a nice course fit for him in that area. Um, I think when you look at like the weighted strokes gain total that I ran, there's a ton of upside from there. I, the one thing I will say, like the one caveat to this whole thing is Jaeger is, in my opinion, 
more boomer bust than a lot of these guys. Like that's part of the reason why maybe even in the outright market, his price is the way it is. I know this is a golfer that I talked about making 22 consecutive cuts, but um, I think if he puts the pieces together, the, the ceiling is the limit here. Like it's huge. Like, I mean, like he can, he can win this golf event, but if you were to tell me of any of the golfers we've talked about, any of these golfers that are like, let's just say 40 to one or less, he probably has maybe, maybe the lowest floor of the group too, just because of some of those concerns. But I also think that like the upside is worth taking a swing at it. And if I don't see a lot of ownership around him potentially in one and done contests, I I just think that um, people are going to find a way to try to get off of him for all the reasons that you guys have said. And I kind of think this is just a golfer right now that's trending in the right direction. I'm with it. Roberto, we got to keep in mind too, that we have, we're pretty much in a two horse race right now, unless someone gets an outright winner. So Spencer does need to shoot for the moon. We're only we're a quarter of the way through the season, and after <laughs> this week, we've got API and the players back to back, and the Masters all within like a six week span. So there's a lot of money coming in at one and done that can completely turn this thing upside down. So I'm not. Yeah, I I, I always check it too early. It's like 2023 Tournament of Champions, Kyle Morikawa all over again. I always start hot and one and done too, and just give it away. So maybe you're right. I should uh, sit tight here and be humble. But this this is a week where I don't think you want to bet chalk at the top of the odds board, and I don't think you want to use an elite player in one and done. There's really only one elite player in this field in Roy yeah. McIlroy. So I wouldn't use him here, even though he does have some great course history. He has several miscuts, and I think if you want to be contrarian and you find a good miscut number out there or you want to fade him in some matchups, I think this could be a good week to do that. Um, but I wouldn't use Roy McIlroy this week unless you want to go super galaxy brain and zig when everybody else is zagging. Um my biggest concern with doing that, like even if you end up being correct and he wins the golf tournament, like there's just not enough money on the mm. table for me to want to go that route. And, and I kind of think Rory might end up winning this event. Like that's kind of maybe my contrarian take this week. I know he's the favorite. So I mean, how contrarian are we getting here? But I haven't heard anybody talk about him when actually discussing winners of this event. I think this is a really nice spot for him. Like it's just been a weird start for him in 2024. He had all his success overseas. And then all of a sudden he comes to play these PGA tour events and he puts the pieces together for like 17 holes or, you know, 16 holes. And then he gets these random implosions that take place. And then all of a sudden he shoots himself down the leaderboard. Um, you could argue that he loses some of his strengths that he has of distance at this course, but I just think Rory's game plays so well everywhere. I love him in Florida always. Um, I just think from a one and done contest, you're really galaxy braining the situation. And that's fine to do if there was more money in play. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I, look, I, we already know what I'm going to do. I'm going to take Rory at the Masters and be upset after he shoots a 77 <laughs> on day one. Spencer, it's a great transition. What do you make proper for Rory McIlroy this week? He's eight to one in our sponsor, Bet365's enhanced win market. I think he should be 10 to one. I mean, I don't think you're getting a fair price to actually punch a ticket on him, but um, I mean, I think the number is in the range of where it should be. Like I've seen some people tweet out that he should be 14, 15 to one. Like that's an over-exaggeration of what we've seen. Rory is still the class of this tournament and still has the best upside to actually win this event. I think that's all well said. Fellas, let's get into our rapid fire segment. We talked about Rory. Looking through, if I gave you a free wager on any of these guys, these current numbers, who would you take? 
Cameron Young's 24 to 1. Russell Henley's 27 to 1. And Eric Cole is 27 to 1. Nick, I'll start you off first with this potential free outright rager. Oh, Cam Young. Spencer? I almost feel like, I mean, Cam Young has the one profile in my model where he is the number one projected ball striker for this tournament. Um, I think if you're playing to actually win, the answer is probably Cameron Young, and I'll agree there. I think if you're trying to find what player is like the safest of the mix, I would rather play the other two. I, I would go for like Eric Cole for safety. I'd agree with that. That's why I'm considering him for one and one, one and done. Looking at the next tier of guys, Matt Fitzpatrick is 30 to one. Tom Kim's are also 30 to one. We know Nick has a wager on him. So Nick, you're not allowed to choose him. Benny on is 30 to one. And JT Poston is also 35 to one. Nick, if I gave you a free outright wager on those guys besides Kim, who would you pick? Ben on. I will go with Ben on in that situation. Um, Tom Kim would be obviously my other choice, but yeah, Benny on. Spencer? Yeah, I mean, it would be 1A, 1B for me. I, I will go with Ben on, though. I, I think if anybody that got him at those 45 to 1 numbers when they op- when he opened there, that was the best value on the board. Um, don't think he's necessarily bettable where he is right now. I, I do think it's fringe and close, but number one player in my model in expected strokes gain total when you put him on Bermuda courses. Looking in the next tier of golfers, we've got past champion, Sung J M at 37 to 1, along with Min Woo Lee, also at 37 to 1. Shane Lowry, who's had success here before, also 37 to 1. And Daniel Berger, whom Nick, I believe you bet in one of his most recent starts at 150 to 1 at the Genesis Invitational, also is 37 to 1. Among those guys, M, Min Woo Lee, Shane Lowry, and Daniel Berger. Which one would you take the free ticket on, Nick? I would go with Berger. I bet him at uh, Phoenix. Phoenix. That's right. Yep. I will, I will definitely go with Daniel Berger. I, I liked what I saw at Phoenix. I know the the distance really isn't back to where it needs to be, but his driver looked great. He was hitting a lot of fairways there. Um, irons look good. And he's a Florida guy as well, isn't he? In fantastic course history. Yeah. Yeah. Give me uh, give me Daniel Berger all day there. Spencer? I think there's a nice upside numbers to consider with Berger. I'll go with the golfer that the market does not seem to like right now. I'll say Minwoo Lee. Uh, there were some interesting returns that I got for him in the projected proximity for this course. Like we always talk on these shows, I think during the weeks where we haven't been on Minwoo Lee for the reasons why my, my model or, or any of our models, like didn't necessarily like some of his proximity numbers. I think this is a nice course fit for him where a lot of that, all of a sudden those problems get alleviated a little bit and the ball striking numbers place him inside of the top 15. So I think you can potentially consider shooting for the stars there with Minwoo Lee. Maybe that's more of an answer for our DFS contest more than anything else, depending on where that ownership comes in. But uh, I'm not necessarily sold that this is not a nice value spot for him. Yeah, Minwoo Lee is still somebody who I'm very intrigued with. And I know I don't understand him as well as some other golfers, given that a lot of his high end finishes in the fall were at courses where there was just no data in any facet. So I'm going to be intrigued to see those ball striking numbers because in his top tens on the PGA tour that we have seen in the past, they've been very short game reliant. So I want to see more ball striking returns from him in his first season with a PGA tour card this year. Looking at the next wave of golfers, we have Corey Connors, 37 to one Jaeger, 37 to one. You guys have already touched on them. Uh, so we'll skip those guys. Actually, we'll go to Chris Kirk defending champion here is 45 to one. Sepp Straka is 45 to one. Nick, I know you got a, a ticket on him. Keith Mitchell's also 45 to one. And Nick, we know you like him too. 
Yeah. <laughs> We're skipping Adam Svensson, who's also 45 to one. And damn it, Luke List is 50 to one. So Nick, you don't get a choice on any of these guys. Spencer, I like them all. <laughs> Spencer between Connors, Jaeger, Chris Kirk at 45, Straka 45, Keith Mitchell 45, and Svensson at 45. Who would you most like to have a ticket on? I'll remove Jaeger just since I already have a ticket on him. Uh, who was that first name that you said? Corey Connors. Corey Connors would probably be my pick of the remaining names there. I'm a little bit lower on some of those other options. Like I'm not as high on Straka and List as as Nick is this week. Um, I think Connors' ball striking does have the potential to play well. But I mean, then again, I mean, y- you have to make putts to actually win a golf tournament. And uh, I-, I seem to forget that a lot of the times that I back Corey Connors. I think Connors could be a sneaky play this week or next week at uh, the Arnold Palmer Invitational. These being two of the tougher courses on the PGA Tour. And he's not going to have to get to 2,500 to win these two weeks. If he gets to 10, 12, 15 under par, he'll be in the thick of it. So perhaps this could be a better time for him than some other tournaments, especially if it gets a little bit windy. Looking at the last range of golfers, we've got Bo Hostler, 55 to 1, Denny McCarthy, 60 to 1. We know that Nick doesn't like him, but Matthew Pavone is. 60 to one and Tom Hoagie is also 60 to one. So I'll get you guys out of here on this one among Hostler, McCarthy, Pavone and Hoagie. Nick, which one would you most like to have a ticket in that 55 to 60 to one range? Uh, was Denny McCarthy an option? Correct. Yeah. yeah. Denny, give me the putter. Spencer. I'm going to go against my model on this one and kind of just like trust what my eyes have been showing me with this player. And, and the results are also forming a very similar answer. I'll say Bo Hostler. Um, model doesn't necessarily love some of the statistical returns, and and really that just comes down to the proximity numbers. I guess I worry ever so slightly that all of a sudden you throw him on a Florida course here, you lose some of that West Coast narrative, you you change some of the feel for him to where the ball striking could catch up to him. But if you look at him specifically at this tournament, 16th in 2022, 60th in 2021, 38th in 2020, not necessarily the best results that you would expect, but also good enough form for a golfer that has really become a great player uh, over the past six months here. Like it, it's a very similar answer to Jaeger where the, the trending statistics are going in the right direction. So no love for Pavone who in his last two starts at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am and the Farmers Insurance Open has only been beaten by two golfers. So I'm very intrigued by him just because he's one of these guys who came off the DP World Tour. This is his first season on the PGA Tour as a full-time member. And he won immediately in his third start. And he said, you know what? I'm not playing at the Genesis Invitational. I've already got a couple of years on tour locked up. He played at Pebble in that 54-hole tournament. Just haven't seen him play a ton of golf. So I'm very intrigued by Pavone. Really excited to see him this week. And I think he could be somebody who's also in contention at a variety of courses, given that he really doesn't have a weakness in the bag. Decent driving distance and driving accuracy around tour average, but really strong putter and really strong on approach play. And that plays at every golf course. So very intrigued by Pavone, even though you guys don't love him this week. Fellas, that concludes our analysis for the tournament this week. Where can we find your work outside of this podcast? And I'll start with you, Nick. At Better Golf Pod on Twitter and also the Best Bets article at Action Network. Awesome. You can find that article top of our golf page as soon as you hear this podcast drop. Spencer, where can the people find you this week? You can find me over on Twitter at Tioff Sports. You can get my model over at Rotoballer if you want to make some copies yourself and weigh the material how you see fit. Also see where I have everybody ranked. 
Uh, you can also get all of the work that I do here at Action Network. I will have my outright article tomorrow. I'll have all the in-tournament bets that I do uh, during the weekend. So be sure to check that out if you haven't yet. Awesome. Great stuff from you, Spencer, as always. And Nick, excited to hear you guys on Better Golf this week as I've been getting more into DFS. been doing a lot of those double ups and head to heads. And I was first in one of those double up fields, which means I just got to get into some bigger contests now. There you go. Get into some tournaments and get a little different. Play some Chan Cam. I did have Actually, him. Actually, I'm sure in that he'll one, probably be popular yeah. this week, won't he? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. The Chan guy play him is. Week, well, yeah, that's fair. But. Uh, we'll save him for next week. Maybe, maybe he, uh, maybe he works in our favor this week and uh, zigs when everybody else is zagging. But you can find me on Twitter at Roberto eight two one three. I'm an editor here at Action Network, so anything that has that anything that's on the golf page, I've taken a look at it a couple times. Uh, so be sure to check that out. We got a lot of great work, as you mentioned in the pod earlier. Jason Sobel had those early picks on Bazaden How to eighty to one. So be sure to tune into our content to get the best of the number, especially in the outright market. And you can find me this week on PGA Tour Live on ESPN+. Plus. I'll be on the Featured Hole stream with Christina Kim, who broadcasted the match last night on TNT. So she's going to get a big step down in her uh, broadcasting partner this week, unfortunately. But excited to be with her. Now she's super energetic. It should be a lot of fun on the Featured Holes, where we got two of the three holes on the bear trap and then we'll also be on the 15th hole once coverage moves to golf channel and nbc later in the rounds so check us out there on espn plus once again thanks to everyone who makes this podcast possible especially our producers noah niederhofer and matt mitchell and thanks to you the fans for tuning in every week uh, because we couldn't do it without you be sure to hit us up on twitter x whatever you want to call it uh, if we can ever do anything to make the show better for you and with that thanks for tuning in to our show this week for the Cognizant Classic in the Palm Beaches, and we'll catch you next week at the Arnold Palmer Invitation. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.